0: listening to Miller and Moulton exclusively on the Florida Sports Network. And now here's Mark Miller and David Moulton.
1: Hour number two of Miller and Moulton on this Thursday. Thanks so much for being with us. Florida Sports Network, FloridaSportsNetwork.com. Ian Cummings in 35 minutes from Pro Football Network and we'll already dive a little bit into the draft in the offseason. I mean, you know, we, we don't Wait around. It's the National Football League. As Jerry Glanville famously said over 30 years ago, it stands for not for long. All right? If you don't keep winning. So don't keep doing your job. So talk a little uh, draft prospects and what teams are thinking and what he's hearing. Ian Cummings in a little over half an hour. Ron Syrak, one hour from now. Do you hear what Rory said yesterday? Speaking of golf. Tiger teeing it up today. So, a lot of other things that are out there are kind of, you know, being pushed down and to the side. Did you hear Rory? Rory said golf needs to follow the NBA model, needs to market its stars.
0: Does that mean load management too, Rory? I mean, you guys are already <laughs> seemingly getting that pretty well. You pick and choose when you play. So, you've got the load management part of it down. Well, he didn't go there. You get paid more a- when you go overseas. I mean, explain to me, Rory, what the, <laughs> what exactly it is. You're, you've already done this. You just <laughs> made all these marquee
1: events. You've become the NBA. Well, you know, Mark, it's a dadgum good point. There are a lot of people that have picked up on everything that you just said right off the top of your head. Kind of like, well, you guys are only playing 18 events a year. There's 40-something events on tour. Okay, And then you've got these certain events that are weighted and paid more heavily now. Some of those events, by the way, are going to be half-field events. You do know that, right? I mean, some of those events are going to be like 70 guys. And there might even be some of them that are no cuts. I mean, seriously, it's all on the table. And even, I will say, Adam Scott, Tiger Woods, Rory, all right, all taking a big interest in this. Apparently, they had a big meeting Tuesday out there. Monahan flew in for it. It was noted by everybody that Monahan was walking the course with Tiger yesterday, just the two of them, for a long stretch, talking about life and pursuit of happiness, and I'm pretty sure they weren't talking about a short game. So, and Tiger has said everything's on the table. Rory keeps insisting we're not going to. I mean, last week's story, this Nick Taylor from Canada ranked like 230th in the world for whatever the world golf rankings are worth. But, you know, he got into the field and he finished second, made 2 million bucks. It changed his life. Okay. And they're wondering, are you even going to have a Nick Taylor story anymore with the way that the tour looks as if it's heading? And Adam Scott just flat out came out yesterday, Mark, and said, listen, we're not going to be able to be all things to all people anymore. Oh, really? Huh. And what I'm wondering is, like, I mean, there's already a guy, I forget his name off the top of my head, bad job by me, who's ranked in the top 35 in the world who, for whatever, somehow, some way did not qualify to be in this week's event. He's ranked 34th in the world, but he's a European player. And I don't know, somehow, some way he didn't have the status. So how a top 35 player in the world is not in this week's PGA tour event. When he has his hand raised going, I wanted to play. It's my, he said, it's my favorite course in the world. (laughs) And I can't get in the event this week. I mean, it is fascinating. What's going on in this sport. And is it possible, Mark, that the PGA Tour is going to react to the LIV Tour in such a way that the LIV Tour may have an opportunity to grab like 20 younger players and maybe instead of just having a 48-guy field, expand it to like, I don't know, 72 and grab like the upcoming middle class, if you will, of the PGA Tour and say, hey, come with us and play in every event. I mean, the PGA Tour is in a fascinating position right now where they are contemplating massive change. And you and I, I think, are wondering, are they overreacting here?
0: They have taken – it's seemingly that they're taking their marching orders from Rory and the top players. Okay. I get it. Top players in all sports seem to run their sports. But the PGA Tour, to what Adam Scott said, the PGA Tour for for a while now has been talking out of both sides of their mouth. They want to have elevated events. They want to have the best fields. They want to have the best golfers. I, I think Adam Scott really hit the nail on the head. You can't be all things to all people, but what is the tour going to become?
1: and by the way thanks for texting it to me thomas peters is the golfer he's ranked 34th in the world he's not in the event this week somehow some way he's not qualified i don't know how you can beat top 40 in the world and not if you raise your hand how you could not be in the event but anyway he's not i don't know that seems to be a loophole that needs to be closed but anyway i mean you've got these elevated events something we have learned from the Netflix documentary that dropped yesterday is that remember when Jay Monahan came out and said, we're going to have these elevated events and we're going to raise the purses and what have you. And he said, and they're going to be mandatory for the top players. Well, apparently that was news to the top players as we're finding out from the Netflix documentary that Rory and a few others were like, what did he say? What? Who said it's mandatory? Okay, And basically, it's like, you don't tell us where we get. Enough. You can encourage us to play. You can throw more money on the table, and we probably should play. What do you mean mandatory? I'm sorry. I'm, I'm checking my paperwork here. Where does it say we have to play something? So that apparently you know, came back to haunt Jay Monaghan last year. That the top players went after him after he said that behind the scenes, and we're like, dude, you're taking this commissioner thing a little too much to heart.
0: <laughs> you worry about the TV deals; we're, we'll worry about where we show up yeah, and play.
1: Exactly. You throw enough money on the table, we'll be there. You don't have to tell us, but uh, don't don't be telling us if you know what I mean. So, I mean, how do you go from full field to seventy? And still say, oh, no, you tour players in the middle. Don't worry. There's still going to be spots for you. It seemed as if you just took away about 70 or 80 of them. What do you mean there's still spots for me?
0: And they were digging deep, you know, at Pebble here a couple of weeks ago. They were down. That field was not good. They were bringing in alternates, guys that haven't really played on tour at all in the past few years. So these fields getting filled out, you will see – some names that either you've not heard of or haven't heard in 10 years filling out the rest of these fields.
1: I mean, if you're the PGA Tour, do you have too many tournaments? Or are you going to need all those tournaments now because you're going to jam your top players into about 15 events and you're going to need the other events for the rest of the tour to be able to make a living?
0: Yes, there's too many tournaments. Yes, there's too many NASCAR races. Yes, there's too many of a lot of things, but we don't go backward.
1: Well, we do if the money runs out. Like, we actually have seen it in golf, okay? Now, it's happened more in women's golf than men's golf, but we have seen tournaments go away. I mean, Mark, where you live in Southwest Florida, one of the best regular LPGA Tour events was held in Southwest Florida throughout the 90s. It was an early season event. The last sponsor of it was Subaru, and it used to have the best field of the year that was not a major because of the time of year that the event was held. The tournament went away.
0: Different tour obviously. Right. And it seems that when tournaments have gone away on the PGA Tour, others have jumped up to get their spots. The Valspar jumped out and now that's Mm -hmm. a regular stop in the tour. It doesn't seem that there's a lack of want for tour events.
1: But if you're the AT&Ts and the Hondas of the world, you're going to keep shelling out the 20-plus million that you need to shell out to put your name on a tournament when you're going to have the fields that you're going to have? I mean, like, you mentioned it. I mean, if it wasn't for – Justin Rose and Jordan Spieth were, like, the only two names in the damn Pebble Beach field. 140 guys. And you recognize, like, four of them. I mean, you know, the Honda, or what used to be the Honda, you wait to see what that field looks like this year, where it's positioned in and around Arnie's event and the players and what have you. I mean, that tournament's going to have the worst field of the Florida swing. And that's a Nicholas course.
0: Well, that's the other thing. They don't... This is the other quiet thing that's happened with this. Not only do they want full, or more pay, higher higher heightened events they're trying to eliminate the courses where they have to shoot close to par to win they don't like showing up when they have to grind a thursday through a sunday in a regular tour event
1: so it's a big week in golf a lot going on tigers the headline and that's awesome and hope he plays well hope he makes a cut you know that was our poll question what was it was it yesterday yesterday you we got to you, we gotta get today's up. Well, you know, that's your thing. It's not my thing. I know. Just, you know, you, you're the Rory of, uh, of poll questions on this show. Okay, you, you drive that bus. So that's on you, my friend.
0: Oh, we'll get there. Don't you worry.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, sure. I'm Adam Scott. I'm the guy in the back going, man, when it comes to poll questions, we can't be all things to all people. So big Ron Syrak joins us next hour. We'll talk uh, about all that's going on in the golf world where uh, I think it's fair to say it's unsettled.
0: And it's unsettled on the PGA Tour. I mean, they have the live tour that's doing its own thing and, and, and they've pissed all of you off and you hate them. I get it. But the PGA Tour is in flux as well because they don't seem to know where they're heading.
1: Right. the other tours got their 14 events lined up the field's already set ready to go <laughs> BGA tour eh, they're just arguing amongst themselves they'll figure it out I guess be interesting though if they get it right and what is right
0: Phoenix worked it always does it was right before the Super Bowl it had really good ratings
1: Genesis will work, Tigers in the field, Riviera, a bunch of guys playing. This this week will work.
0: But we will see as the summer draws near how these events will work out. Ian Cummings will work out with us in about 25 minutes. We'll talk NFL draft with him. That's coming up on Miller & Moulton right here on the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network.
1: 21 minutes after the hour, Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. Ian Cummings, profootballnetwork.com, will join us coming up in less than 20 minutes. Michael Jordan turns 60 tomorrow. Did you see the gift he handed out yesterday? I did not. He handed the Make-A-Wish Foundation 10 million bucks. He said, you know, nobody has to get me anything for my birthday. You know, I'm I'm taken care of. I'm good? I'm good. But it makes me feel good to try to make others happy. And so it's the largest single donation the Make-A-Wish Foundation's ever received. 10 million bucks. Michael Jordan is 60 tomorrow. But I bring up Jordan also because you know the NBA's got a serious issue. And Mark, I'm asking you to be Adam Silver. And remember, Jordan's an owner. And we could get into, by the way, is he the worst owner in pro sports? Because I mean the Charlotte Hornets are awful. I mean, he's not the worst guy, obviously, James Dolan, Daniel Snyder, but in terms of since he's taken over the Charlotte franchise, I mean, it's laughable. But anyway, load management. They're negotiating a new CBA right now. Load management. Honestly, you're Adam Silver. What do you do about this? What do you do when the current generation of players don't want to play every game?
0: The only thing you can do is tie cash incentives into playing. That contracts are paid by games played as as, as a, whether it's part of their salary, whether it's a bonus initiative, but it's got to be tied to X number of games played.
1: The players are never going to agree to that. So are you willing to, you know, you willing to pull a Bettman here. You willing to shut down your league for a year? Because that's what it would take. I mean make no mistake about it. To get and I agree with you by the way. But you'll have to shut the league down. And to I do it.
0: and I don't know if it's possible as many will point out in the Twitch chat room when you know LeBron missed 3 games before he played last night. He set the record, had a bad ankle. If it was the playoffs, LeBron would have been able to play. I don't think anybody believes that the injury was such that he couldn't have played those three games. But that's the world that we're in right now. So I don't know, even though what I would try to do is to tie player salary to games played, I don't know how you then factor in injuries. And, well, not so much real injuries.
1: So are you saying that this, that, listen, if we have a generation of players that just don't want to play that there's nothing you could do about it as, as ownership, as a league, they have hand. We don't. I definitely think the players have hand here. Well, there's no doubt they have it, but if you're silver and the owners, don't you have to start taking it back? Aren't you looking at the other leagues and going, where did we go wrong? Or is it because there's only five guys on a floor in that league? Therefore, those players are going to have more power than the other leagues. Simply do the math. I mean, honestly, isn't it shocking to look at how player driven the NBA is versus the other three leagues, but particularly football?
0: And it's not just, you know, you mentioned because there's five players on a court, obviously. But it's not just the fact that it's five because of those five, it's only two or three that matter. And of those two or three, it's not even on all the teams, David. So, I mean, you mean, you really have about, what, 15, 18 players that control that league. And it might be less than that.
1: Mark? Kevin Durant had three and a third years left on his contract and was able to say to the Nets, You gotta get me out of here. And Kevin Durant is not a dog either. Kevin Durant, when he's healthy, he plays his mm off. But that's how much power. I mean, that's they're already talking in Dallas. Lucas got like five years left on a contract. And they're like, Yeah, I don't know if he's happy though. I mean, could you imagine this in the NFL? "Ah, I don't know if Mahomes is happy. I don't know what to tell you. He's under contract for the rest of the decade. Yeah, but you know, if he requests a trade, it's over. (laughs) The NFL be like, Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, that's funny.
0: The NFL has no problem sitting a guy, they'd have no problem letting a guy rot. The NBA doesn't adhere to that philosophy.
1: No, if your star player wakes up one morning and says, you know what, I want out. That's it. Years worth of work on your franchise is in upheaval. But I mentioned Jordan and his birthday because I also wanted to mention the donation. But, you know, his second year in the league, he blew out his knee. He only played 18 games that year. All right. He came back from baseball and only played 17 games in 95 with the Bulls. And then one of his two years in Washington, he did have an injury where he missed a month. But in the other seasons, Michael Jordan played 82, 82, 82, 81, 82, 82, 80, 78, 82, 82, 82, 82, and his final year in the league when he was turning 40 during the season he played all 82 games and averaged 37 minutes a game
0: lebron for the majority of his career played every night now until in the back he end here a laker. right on the back end here he has been adhering to what the rest of the league's done
1: yes until he became a laker all right lebron played every night But LeBron got to about 34, 35 and said, well, the rest of the league's playing 60, 65 games. Okay, I can do that. But what do you do here if you're Adam Silver? I mean, or is this, you're just going to ignore this? I mean, is, because this seems to me, and this is an old white guy here. This is just sports fan. I can't count on... I mean, the Celtics played the Bucs the other night and it was a really good game, but four of their starters weren't playing.
0: See, that's the player's argument. Look at that game with all the load management going on, and it was still a really good, really entertaining basketball game. That's gonna be the player's argument. You want the healthiest guys playing. If we if we have to do this, you're not gonna get our best effort.
1: really don't know why Jordan's not pounding the table on this. He's Michael Jordan. And he can't look at these guys and go, with all due respect, you have an obligation to this league and this sport to play. I don't know who you are. If it was good enough for Bill Russell and Oscar Robertson and Magic and Larry and me, then it's good enough for you or else we're not going to pay you. Try to win that argument, by the way. You want to get paid for not playing. The floor is yours.
0: And Jordan, as an owner, has never really done anything publicly. Anything. In fact, he runs the other way. He doesn't ever... He's not seemingly, from an ownership standpoint, wanting to be... You know, the Jerry Jones are the craft of what they are to their leagues. He's more in the background.
1: What do you do, though, if you're Adam Silver? Do you try to do something on this? Because it seems as if if you're going to try, you got to go to the wall.
0: And be prepared to lose, and when you lose, you lose your job. Miller and Moulton will switch gears to the NFL draft. Ian Cummings covers the draft. He will join us next right here on the Florida Sports Network. Welcome back to Miller and Moulton, only on the Florida Sports Network.
1: 22 minutes before the hour. Thanks so much for being with us. Miller and Moulton, Florida Sports Network, floridasportsnetwork.com. We'll talk golf with Ron Syrak next hour. Our bonus hour nationally ranked FGC women's basketball team. Their head coach, Carl Somesco will join us. Never too early to talk the NFL draft. Pro Football Network all over. Draft coverage, PFN365 on Twitter. Ian Cummings is kind enough to join us from profootballnetwork.com. The draft is his life. Follow him on Twitter at IC_Draft, IC underscore draft, IC Underscore Draft, Ian. It's David and Mark. How are you?
2: Doing good, doing good, man. You're absolutely right. This time of year, the draft is life. I've been up since six, just kind of doing draft <laughs> stuff, you know, because that's that's all there is right now. But I mean, we got the combine coming up. We had the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl uh, last month, and a lot of information on pars from that. So there's always more work to do on these prospects, and it's 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 fun every year. It's taxing, but
0: it's it's the best time of the year. All right, Ian. When you look at this draft, where is the strength? of this draft for, for team needs? Is there a certain position group that you're very excited about with this year's draft?
2: Yeah, there's a couple that are pretty deep. I'd say on the offensive side, running back is a very deep position group. You've got a lot of top-end top. I think Dijon Robinson and Jameer Gibbs both. Very good prospects, but there's a lot of depth beyond that. I think you got a lot of potential starters and a lot of different player types too, which is exciting. Uh, some receiving backs, some guys who are a little bit bigger, but they can kind of carry that, that greater workload, right? So you've got a lot of versatility there, a lot of dynamic ability, and it's a deep one, you know, one where you could get really good players in round four, round five, maybe even round six. So I really like the running back class on the other side defense. I'd say cornerback is the way to go. This is the perfect year to need a cornerback. You have really good prospects in round one round two but again i think kind of similar to the running back position the depth is there the different player types are there you've got guys who are you know longer maybe more traditional boundary types you've got hybrid slot defenders you've got guys who are going to live in the slot but really make a living there i think that this is the class to need one whatever type you need you know there's guys with traits later on there's guys who are you know maybe a little bit higher floor later on A lot of different player types, I'm a big fan of a lot of them. So I think the cornerback class, the running back class, both position groups, you're going to be able to get a lot of value, maybe late day two, even day three.
1: Ian, if I was the GM and you were part of the staff, would you tell me never take a running back in the first round, even if it's a Barkley, even if it's Robinson in this year's draft, which most everybody gives a high first round grade to, do you just feel that, hey, if we need a running back, we can find a Pacheco on day three. Or are there certain guys in which you're like, yeah, I, I know what I told you last year, but you need to draft this guy.
2: Yeah, you know, it's, it's an interesting discussion, right? I think my caveat with this is always it depends on the team. Like, I love, I'd love to just provide a blanket answer for a GM, but it really depends on your situation as a team. And, and the question there is, are you in a position to spend a first-round pick on a luxury like that? If you have a strong enough team and the player is good enough, like Don Robinson, then I would say, yeah, you know, like the Eagles at 10, you know, they have that 10th pick, you know, I still think they have needs that they should address like corner or edge. Right. But, you know, I do think they're strong enough where they could consider that because they're in a good enough position and B. John Robinson is that good of a prospect. Right. If you're not in that scenario, a lot of times teams taken earlier in the first round, aren't quite in that position. You need to spend on positions that are more contribute contributors to RB success, like offensive line, you know, or maybe pressuring the quarterback, like those premier positions that impact the past game on offense and defense. Those usually kind of take the, they, they take precedence, right? But if you are in a position to say, Hey, we're good enough. And this guy can be a game changer, right? Then I would consider it. I, I think it's different for every team, but it, and to answer your question, my opinion about Bijan, if I was in that situation, I would consider it because he's a top five prospect for me. I think the hype is very much warranted. He's got the size, he's got the athletic ability, he's got insane instincts and vision in congested areas. Uh, he's really got everything, and he's a phenomenal receiver on top of that. So you look at a guy like that, you know, even at a devalued position like running back, he's got the talent to really make your offense better. So then it just becomes an issue of, you know, do we have other more pressing needs at valuable positions? That we should consider before that so if if you can afford to take that luxury then consider it by all means i think it's different for every team
0: where are you on anthony richardson ian
2: yeah so i'm not at a definitive spot right now i'm always reevaluating and one more time before the end of the draft cycle i'm going to reevaluate all all four of those guys but he is in contention to be my qb1 it's it's very close between all of them all of the first three i should say cj stroud Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young. They're all very close on my board. Uh, I think that Richardson is an interesting case, right, because you look at him, you know, this is his first year really getting the full-time starting reps, and, yeah, he took his lumps early on. The accuracy was a little up and down, but I I think in the modern NFL, you look at guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen making the playoffs. You need guys who can, you know, match up with that from a talent perspective because what happens if you get into a duel with one of those guys it might be hard to keep up if you don't have that transformative quarterback talent. Now, Richardson does have room to keep refining his game. He's still very young. But I think, in a way, that's a good thing, right? Because you look at Will Levis. I think people make a lot of the same you know arguments for Levis is that he has the tools to bank on. Levis is going to be a 24-year-old rookie. All right? Richardson is two years younger, and he's actually shown projectable growth in his final season. So I look at Richardson. Yeah, he's got to improve his mechanics a little bit more. His accuracy can be spotty. The decision-making as well, you know, with any quarterback who's got a rocket arm like that, sometimes he's going to take risks that maybe he shouldn't, right? But I think with Richardson, you know, when he has the elite tools that he has, and they are elite. I mean, 6'4", 230, the guy's an insane athlete with the foot speed, explosiveness, twitch in the pocket, and then again, the rocket arm, the velocity, it speaks for itself, right? So if he has that amount of traits, that degree of traits, the question then becomes, Has he shown enough flashes of the proper mental, you know, the processing, you know, the operational ability? I think that he has shown really bright flashes, particularly the pocket navigation, the ability to move in the pocket, manipulate space and keep your eyes up and identify windows, you know, kind of multitask, you know, kind of take a lot of different information. Because a quarterback, that's what you're doing. You're taking a, a lot of different information in your head in a very short time span and you've got to be able to handle that. And I think. It's still slowing down for him a little bit, but I think he did show in spurts that he could handle it. So with the proper coach, I'd be willing to invest. So he's in my QB1 conversation. I think traits really rule the discussion. And if you're talking about traits, he's easily got the best talent of traits among the top QBs. He's an elite athlete. He's got an elite arm. And, uh, you know, all that matters for teams is in interviews, if he checks out there, if he's a guy that you want in your locker room and a guy that you think can take the coaching and keep developing, I would take him because I think the ceiling is the highest in the class.
1: Ian Cummings, he covers the NFL draft. He's a draft analyst for Pro Football Network, profootballnetwork.com. You can follow Pro Football Network on Twitter at PFN365. Follow Ian on Twitter, IC underscore draft, IC underscore draft. This quarterback class scares the mm out of me. I, all right, I'm not seeing it with Levis. Okay, Richardson to me is boom or complete bust. I love Bryce Young, but he's the smallest, skinniest quarterback who's elite in recent memory, and Ohio State hasn't had a good pro quarterback in 50 years. I mean, I'm scared to death of these guys. Am I wrong?
2: It's it's a scary – I mean, it's always a scary proposition. I mean, you're talking about quarterback, all right? This is the position that makes or breaks your team. So there's always going to be a little bit of fear involved because – if you choose the wrong guy, right? I mean, look at the Jets picking Zach Wilson. If they pick someone else, you could argue they they, they would have made the playoffs this year. You know, Maybe they'd be in a better spot right now. Right. So it's, it's always a matter of risk if you pick the wrong guy. But I think at the same time, a lot of it is uh, the situation is just as important too. Right. So we always use a lump sum to judge these guys years down the road, you know, like, Oh, this guy didn't pin out. Well, maybe he was in a different situation. He would have. Right. So I think Either way, you have to be flexible. Now, as you said, there is reason to be concerned. I think for all of these guys, right? Will Levis obviously, you know, has the talent, but with his starting experience, we didn't see the development we wanted to. Richardson, kind of on the on the back end of that, right? You know, he's still very young, very green, and he's shown flashes—flashes flashes that that encourage me enough where I'd be willing to pick him. But there is risk involved, and you have to acknowledge that. Rice Young very small for the quarterback position. And he did prove that he could kind of be durable in college, but the NFL is a different game. How is he going to hold up? And then CJ Stroud as well with the school argument. You know, I always try to look at each prospect on a case by case basis, right? I mean, we know that Ohio state hasn't been super consistent at that, but you know, you could say the same thing about many other schools as well. I think you have to look at it case by case each prospect and look at what that prospect individually has in its corner with CJ Stroud, I see the least amount of risk because I look at him in the pocket. I think he's the best pocket operator of this class. You know, navigating the pocket and feeling that edge pressure when he can't see it, that's something he needs to work on. But when he sees that interior pressure coming, he can step around, he can manage space, and he's very, very adept at processing the middle of the field, identifying those open windows and anticipating, manipulating defenders with his eyes too. I mean, he's very advanced there. So, and I love the accuracy as well. So I'd be comfortable banking on him, but I think With any quarterback, there's going to be varied degrees of risk. you just got to decide for yourself and for your vision, for your offense, are we willing to bank on that? So I think the talent is there in this class. Ultimately, like, if Will Levis went to the Panthers with Frank Reich and Jim Caldwell and that offensive line, I'd say that he could succeed, right? I think, like, if Anthony Richardson went to the Colts with Shane Steichen, I I think there's a viable path for success for him there, right? So I think you have to kind of combine the talent and the landing spot and kind of project forward from that point it's always going to be a flawed process but that's the fun part that's the scary part but that's the fun part too
0: ian you mentioned a couple of the big spots running back and corner you like where's a couple of spots that you don't like that you think the draft is very thin outside of quarterback
2: the first one that comes to mind for me is linebacker i think uh linebacker you're looking at not a ton of bona fide first round talent my linebacker one right now is drew sanders from arkansas I think that, you know, in time, he can become a really, really dynamic piece for defense, Uh, 6'5", 235, really explosive, fluid athlete in space, and really showed great processing ability this year. He's got rushing experience off the edge as well, so there's versatility, but there's uncertainty, too. At 235, you know, holding up against blocks is going to be a whole other issue in the NFL, right? So I think... There's uncertainty with him, I think, for all those top guys. Trenton Simpson, you know, he's another one who's a little lighter. You know, the play strength can be an issue. You wonder how he's going to take on blocks. You wonder what role he's going to play in the NFL. You know, is it going to be a traditional linebacker? Or would you rather have him kind of as that overhang defender, move him around a bit? And then Noah Sewell from Oregon. He was a, a very common first-round selection in the preseason, but he never quite delivered on it, right? You know, he's got the size-speed combination that you'd look for. I think he looks the part out of all these guys but you know sometimes he gets over aggressive in the box the instincts can be hit or miss and he's not the most fluid athlete so you wonder about that too so the top end guys in the linebacker group are pretty uncertain i think more than most of the position groups and then you look at the depth behind them the depth is pretty uncertain too i think there's linebacker is the position where i'd probably wait until day 3 and then kind of identify isolate hidden gems that i would want to bank on in that range right it's not a position that i would want to invest truly heavy capital in unless you have a really big need there, you know, then take the top guys. But you know, that's one that I would rather defer to the depth of the board. Wide receiver is an interesting one that I'll bring up. I think interior offensive line as well could be one. It's a little thin, especially at offensive guard. Osiris Torrance is largely viewed as the top guy. I don't think he's quite a bona fide first round guy. I, I like him a lot, but I think it's a little thinner there. But then wide receiver as well. I think there's more uncertainty at the top of the board I'm a big fan of Quentin Johnson's upside. I'm willing to bank on that. Like I said earlier, like you, you take it into account and you see case by case if they've shown enough for you. And at six four, two fifteen, he's an insane athlete. Explosive, very flexible, very twitchy in and out of his cuts. It, it, it's rare for a 6'4", 215 two fifteen pound guy to be the rack threat that he is, but he's very uncertain. He's not at the level of certainty that we saw with maybe Garrett Wilson or Crystal Dave, right? Or AJ Brown, you know, a couple of years back. So I think the, it, it's just the greater uncertainty at positions like wide receiver and linebacker. I think there's enough depth where teams can benefit later on, but it's gonna it's gonna create a conversation. of When are we willing to really invest in this position?
1: Ian Cummings. He breaks down the draft prospects. He is the draft analyst for Pro Football Network. ProFootballNetwork dot com. Follow Ian on Twitter. I C underscore draft. I C underscore draft. Ian, hopefully we can do this a few more times between now and the draft. Thanks so much.
2: Yes, sir. Anytime. Appreciate it.
1: Ian Cummings, Pro Football Network, profootballnetwork.com. Remember, they also have College Football Network, collegefootballnetwork.com. They've got their college guys breaking down college prospects as well. So if you're a football goober, Pro Football Network, College Football Network, probably a place you should check out.
0: That was a deep dive there for our first mm-hmm. jump into the draft. We uh, we cannonballed into the deep end there, David.
1: Well, if they're talking about four quarterbacks going in the top 10, that's going to get a lot of talk. And whew, I'm sorry. I just don't see it. I mean, I get the potential of some of these guys, and so I know they're going to go really, really high. But, you know, Mark, we know two of the four aren't going to work out. I think there's a chance this year it could be three.
0: And I like the Ohio State quarterback best. Have all year.
1: And I like the Alabama quarterback best, but his Scott, his size scares me. I mean, he's like 5'10", a buck 70. But, man, he can really play.
0: On Saturday. We'll see if he can do
1: it on Sunday. I know. I know. And if I'm Houston at 2 or Indy at 4, I mean, can I really take 5'10", 170? I mean, it's only my job, my career. I mean, it's no big deal. It's not a big decision or anything. We will
0: switch from the draft to the links. Tiger Woods is playing at the Genesis Invitational. There has been a lot of talk in and around the golf world. Ron Syrak will break it all down for us next. Thanks so much for listening. Miller and Moulton, where else but right here on the Florida Sports Network.